Chapter Thirteen of Saint Rose of Lima, the Flower of the New World. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Michelle. Saint Rose of Lima, the Flower of the New World, by Florence Mary Capes. Chapter Thirteen: What Happened After Rose's Death, The Setting Sun and Music at the Close as the last taste of sweets is sweetest last writ on remembrance more than things long past richard the second no sooner had rose de flora's spirit departed from her body than an entire change came over that body all the wasted and agonized look that her poor face had worn during the anguish of her last purification disappeared the color and flesh came back to her cheeks the childlike mouth took on its bright smile and the whole countenance became as lovely as it ever had been in her girlish days so living indeed was her look that those who were by her when she breathed forth her soul could at first hardly believe it was indeed death and had to satisfy themselves by holding a mirror to her lips before they could feel sure that a corpse lay before them it fell to the lot of marie and gonzales de massa to lay out the sweet young saint and place her in her coffin and having no flowers at hand to make a garland for her as they wished they took the crown with which she herself had always decorated st catherine's image and put it on her head for her burial while all this was happening at the receivers two of rose's friends in the city saw in their own separate homes brilliant visions of her in the midst of saintly and angelic heavenly hosts she herself bearing a palm branch and being crowned by the mother of god one of these women aloisa de serrano had been so intimate with the saint that each had promised to appear to the other if she died first another mysterious vision was granted to someone in the damascus house who saw angels ringing round rose's coffin and had a revelation from heaven that her funeral would be so wonderful and happy a ceremony that no one must think of it celebrated with black vestments with morning came the fulfilment of this prediction for the news had spread like wildfire that the de flores daughter was dead and instantly the whole population seemed seized as one man with a conviction of her sanctity and a desire to see her mortal remains the moment dawn broke an ever-growing crowd streamed to the quarter where the receiver lived and at last filled not only his house but the court and the gardens adjoining all waiting their turn to get to the side of rose of st mary's coffin as she lay there with open eyes for they found it impossible to close them and with a mysterious light playing round her corpse the certainty of her eternal blessedness filled every heart and guards had to be placed round the coffin to prevent the excited people from almost tearing up her very shroud to get relics if accounts are to be trusted there was hardly a person in the whole of lima who did not come to look upon this child of poor parents who had founded no religious order or institution whose charities had been chiefly practised in secret who had never been seen alone in public or mixed in general society at all for more than ten years past a humble private individual in short whose living face had not even once been beheld by most of those who now crowded to see her dead body the whole impulse is firmly believed to have been miraculous the testimony borne by god himself to the holiness of his hidden spouse that the lesson of her life might be read aright by her fellow-citizens the funeral procession was as wonderful as the crowd of the morning rose was to be buried at once in the dominican church where she had so often prayed on the evening of the day she died an hour before the angelus the great doors of the damascus house were thrown open and the humble maid's body 
the face still uncovered was borne forth on her bier from the roof that had so long sheltered her through the triumphant throng lima seemed for a time to appropriate her honors as its own the ecclesiastical and civil authorities claimed the right to carry her bier in turn the viceroy's guard of honor surrounded it to make room for the procession and every window balcony and roof on the way to the church was crowded with spectators besides the multitude that followed the bier on foot when the body was set down at the entrance of the church for the asperges and the people could see her face more closely its loving expression so overpowered them that with one impulse they cried aloud the maiden is not dead but sleepeth a catafalque had been raised on rose's own favorite rosary chapel and on this the bier was placed then once more the marvel that had so many times consoled or supported rose of st mary was worked before the whole crowd for the miraculous image of our lady again became apparently animated it was seen to cast a look of tender love on the bier and was surrounded by floods of light the people's joy at the sight might be imagined but the burial did not take place that night a grave had been dug in the cloister attached to the church but when the move was made to take the saint's body there after the solemn service the excitement of the populace at the idea of losing sight of it so soon compelled the archbishop to give way to the general feeling and to leave the bier shut up in the sacristy for the night the same crowd and even more eagerness to press round the body which showed not the slightest sign of mortification and worked many cures on the sick who touched it during high mass the next morning again prevented the interment and at last the friars had to take advantage of the people's absence in the middle of the day to carry the bier inside the cloister and reverently to lower rose's still fresh and beautiful corpse into the grave prepared for it when the crowd collected again expecting to find the holy maid's revered corpse still exposed and discovered what had been done in their absence they simply flung themselves on the grave in the cloister and carried away every bit of stone and debris that was let loose around it as relics by means of which again many cures were wrought on the following september four feast of another saint rose of Retiro, an imposing public ceremony was held in her honor at the dominican church when her panegyric was pronounced and the preacher and people united in publicly proclaiming their conviction of her sanctity from this time forth the inhabitants of lima took to treating every place that rose de flores had frequented her father's house her own garden cell the damascus palace the chapel where she had chiefly prayed as places of pilgrimage which were visited in crowds and once every little thing that could be found as a relic of her was taken away cures both bodily and spiritual continued to be worked by things that had belonged to her or touched her body and the popular beatification of the humble girl was unanimously bestowed on her by her fellow townsmen what however was far more striking and important than the spontaneous honors accorded her by an impetuous and excitable populace was the solid effect of the veneration around her at her death on the moral and religious tone of lima rose's admirers did not stop short at giving her outward honor they showed the reality of it by trying to become worthy of it through a change in their own lives the movement of reform that followed the saint's decease the return of religious duties and to solid and lasting virtue from bad or careless lives is described as simply marvellous it was a movement that spread from the capital to the whole of peru and to all parts of new spain and which convincingly proved the efficacy of rose's intersection for the country she had loved so well 
very naturally her fellow citizens became discontented at having their beloved saint's body left at a cloister which it was difficult to get at even for men and impossible for her own sex to visit at all and the final result of the strong popular feeling was that the body found perfectly fresh more than six months after death was placed in a fresh coffin and removed first to a niche near the high altar and then to st catherine of siena's chapel where it remained it would not come within the scope of a work like this to go into all the details and technicalities of the early begun and long continued efforts to obtain rose de flores canonization or of the process of canonization itself readers interested in such details may find them in the larger works of which a list has been given two points will be enough to notice here first that when the popular devotion paid to her as a saint without ratification from the holy see had gone on for twenty-three years it was put to a stop in sixteen forty by an official letter from rome to the dominican fathers enforcing an order of urban the eighth issued in sixteen thirty four but never yet promulgated in lima which forbade the popular cultus of any one in anticipation of formal beatification and secondly that rose of st mary was finally canonized her friends having begun to collect evidence for the process even in the very year of her death in sixteen seventy one the pontifical diploma being granted by clement x august thirty was then fixed for her feast and the meek hidden tertiary of st dominic an imitator of st catherine was publicly proclaimed patron saint of america and the philippine islands such is the story of the mystical flower of the new world but those who have learnt to care for her in reading it will like as they bid her farewell to know something of what happened to those for whom she specially cared and to whom she was allied by human ties her parents and her favourite brother of rose's father after her death we hear nothing but that he died some time before his wife but marie de flores lived to fulfil the prophecy that she had once been so angry with her daughter for making five years after st rose died lucy de la daga being left a rich widow founded st catherine of siena's convent for dominican women and became herself the first superior the spirit of rose is said to have so completely pervaded this community that it would almost seem as if she had founded it herself and the lima people even spoke of it indifferently as st rose's or st catherine's convent in sixteen twenty nine marie de flores actually carried out her child's prophecy by entering the community where she was professed and the violent-tempered frivolous prejudiced woman became in her latter years a meek and humble religious and died a holy death in sixteen fifty seven there were two hundred nuns in this community and it was celebrated for the holiness of its members ferdinando flores called in the biographies ferdinand de herrera which name he apparently got through having for his godmother the same isabella de herrera who had been sponsored to rose had entered the army and been sent to chile there he married and rose having heard of the marriage wrote a long and beautiful letter to him and his wife containing a prophecy about her child she told him they would have a daughter destined to holiness who would be born with the mark of a rose on her face and she begged them to bring the child up most carefully for god two years after this letter was written a little girl was born to ferdinand and his wife and behold on the lower part of her cheek was a tiny rose traced on the skin as if painted by an artist the little maid grew up as her aunt had foretold singular in goodness and was an object of interest in her childhood to all the spaniards in chile who had heard of the prophecy and used to come and visit her but her parents did not live to finish her education ferdinand and his wife both died young and their little daughter was sent by the governor of chile 
who had a great veneration for Rose of St. Mary, to be brought up in Lima. When old enough, she too became a nun at St. Catherine's convent, and there died in the odor of sanctity, the same sacred walls thus witnessing the happy ends of our saint's mother and her niece. And now, apart from the general grounds for interest dwelt upon in the beginning of this short history, what special lesson does such a life as St. Rose of Mary's hold for us, living nearly three centuries from her death? How can we read into our daily commonplace lives the moral of her marvelous one? What, in short, is the practical use to us of this wonderful girl saint's example? Chiefly, it would appear, this one, that all over the world there are still and always will be souls to whom God has granted the gift of apostolic hearts, that is, of hearts that care so much for the souls of their fellow men that they would gladly give their own lives for them, and that, out of this company, numbers are prevented from doing any active apostolic work, temporal or spiritual, by poverty, sickness, or private ties of duty. Now, if Rose of Lima may well be taken, as we have before suggested that she might be, for patron and intercessor, by those who are pursuing active deeds of charity, still more should she be so, by such as have outward activity curtailed and ardent desire kept unfulfilled by circumstance. There are but few comparatively who can work unfettered, still fewer who, if they do work, can be sure whether their works do good or harm. But are there any who cannot suffer? If there is one class of people more than another to whom we firmly believe God intends such a life as St. Rose's to appeal, it is to those whose work of love for their race is to be done only by suffering, on a sick bed, a wearisome toil for daily bread from morning to night, in the dreary endurance of petty annoyances and contradictions from those to whom duty binds them. If such as these, endowed by their own degree with Rose's spirit of love and desire, will take for their model not certainly her extraordinary penances nor outward practices of any sort for in these she is essentially a saint for admiration not imitation but her extraordinary faith and patience in following god's call through all difficulties and against all human judgments and natural inclinations to the end she will doubtless get for them a light to see god's will in their own restrictions as she saw it in hers her intercession will help them to believe more firmly every day that the prayer of suffering is the greatest of all prayers, which will enable them to win more souls for Jesus Christ than all the active works they might do throughout a long life. Further, should such souls happen to be tertiaries of St. Dominic, she will show them more and more clearly that by no possible means could they so perfectly carry out their calling to be daughters of penance as by the steadfast endurance and cheerful suffering of the restraints and pains imposed by God himself. Finally, as to those who outside the church, into whose hands this volume may happen to come, is it not possible that some of those who give themselves up to working for others, with but little definite aim beyond the alleviation of present pain and trouble, may find in such a life as this a suggestion as to where they might seek for solution of that mystery of suffering which oppresses even while it incites them to work? May it not even in some cases be the means of showing them that they may meet with a whole company of predecessors and living associates as examples for their course of self-denying labor in a very unexpected quarter, in that church of the saints, namely which produced Rose of the New World, and which lives to produce saints and workers for the true good of the human race, in our own day as in hers? Hence we may end as we began, with the hope that this short study of her life may help to make the heroic figure of the young Dominican saint stand out clearly before her modern fellow women. In all its peculiar beauty of strength and sweetness, 
and that it may thus incline many of her sex to hail her as those of her own order do in the words of the antiphon thou art the joy of jerusalem thou art the glory of israel thou art the honor of thy people o rose thou hast done valiantly and thy heart has been strengthened the end end of chapter thirteen end of saint rose of lima the flower of the new world by florence mary capes